should old acquaintance be forgot? That's right, this is my Scottish accent, so just let's, let's work with it. Should old acquaintance be forgot and never brought to mind? Should old acquaintance be forgot and old lang syne? For old lang syne, my dear, for old lang syne, we'll take a cup of kindness yet. For old lang syne. Happy New Year. We, we sing that song, or we mumble through that song, or we hum through it, or we, we blend it together, we make Auld Lang Syne a, a three-syllable word. Like, we just make it one word. We don't know what it means. Um, but when we sing that song at the end of the year, when the ball drops, and, and we're just both tired and full of gratitude, uh, most of us don't really pay attention to the words, but I love that part of we'll take a cup of kindness yet. Um, friends, I tell you what, I, I think every single one of us should drink deep of that cup of kindness and should generously offer that to others because kindness touches lives. Kindness changes hearts. Uh, kindness is a trait of God that we should be generous in our display of Old Lang Syne is translated as uh, Old Long Sense, um, but we can just look at it this way it's for old time's sake. And I love that it starts with a question because I do love a good question. Should old acquaintance be forgot? Should they never be brought to mind? I, you know, I, it's not making a declarative statement. It's, it's posing this question. And then if you listen to the rest of the song, it brings it back full circle and it says no we should be embracing old friends we should be embracing new friends um i love that there's a line there that says i'll buy a pint and you buy a pint if you look at the original scottish uh and this song is old 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 um this nostalgic phrase of auld lang syne appeared in scottish song as early as 1588 uh we see that uh, there's record of it in song as early as, as 1711, the, the song that we know. But this poem and this song was made famous by the poet Robert Burns, the Scottish poet Robert Burns, who in 1788, he heard an old man singing this song. And he immediately just pulled out pen and paper and started writing down what he could. And he didn't get it all right. And, but he, he wrote it down the best he could remember. And then started adding his own twist to it. And what's really cool about this is he wrote part of the song in Scottish, in Scots. And he wrote part of the song in, in English. And when he presented it to his publisher, he's like, no, no, we just need to convert it all to English. And he's like, no way, not a chance. It's this merging of the old and the new that represents the Scots tradition and heritage. And so... If you look at that song, you know, there's words in there. You're like, oh, I don't know what that word is. And we don't use that word. But it's this combination of the old and the new, the Scot and the English. And when we face a new year, it's this combination of the old and the new, of letting go of one thing and embracing another, of, of handing the baton, you know, to 2024 and saying, okay, it's a new year. There's new things. God has new things you today and not because 
the number changed on the end, not because it now says 2024 on our iPhone. God has new things because he is a God of redemption. He is a God of renewal. God has good things for you today if you'll receive them. If you'll come to him. Um, I think it's probably a pretty common question, but there's times you know, people will ask Andy or I, like, what's, what's your favorite thing about being a pastor? And it's, it's an easy answer. I don't have to think about it. It's not, it's not some stale answer. I just know clearly what my favorite things are. My absolute favorite thing, I love the revelation that comes from when God speaks and then I get to share it with you in a sermon. I love that. It's thrilling. I'm, I'm telling you, it's thrilling. That spending time with God in his word and chewing and meditating and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just makes something come alive and I'll normally like shout or something like, come on, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm writing that down. I'm like, hold on, hold on, I'll slow down. I'm writing it down. And then I get to pray through and kind of work it through and it comes in the form of a sermon. And then the second part, I love, I love y'all. I love people. I love encouraging people and pointing them to Jesus. I love building relationship. I love taking the risk of friendship. And I love seeing the fruit that comes when we take the risk of friendship. So those are the two favorite things by far. Chili cook-offs are maybe like seventh. Like they're up there, like top ten, but maybe not top five, you know. But then people will ask, What's the thing? What's what's the thing you like the least? And I'll pause a little so that I choose my words wisely, but I already know what the answer is. The thing that's hardest about about pastoring is standing up here and presenting you with the truth of the Word of God and saying, "If you will trust Him in this, you will be healed." You will be saved. You will be free. You will walk in freedom. You will be different if you will do this, if you will trust God in this, if you will obey God because he's so trustworthy and he's so good, then you'll be changed. And then to see people week after week and month after month and year after year unchanged because they refuse to obey God. That's the hardest part. But my trust is in God. Not in man, not in, not in this man, that's for sure. I mean, and the entire quickness. it's not in our ability to be uh, persuasive or controlling or manipulative or whatever it would take for a man to bring about those results, right? Because that's what it would be. For a man to bring about those results, it would be control it'd be manipulation it'd be but it's god it's god and so the response isn't to me so i don't feel rejection from that i feel like sadness because there's not that response to god when i tell someone about jesus and i'm proclaiming truth and i'm just hoping 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 they'll respond in faith and trust their life in christ and to not see them do it i mean it's it's hard again i don't feel rejection i feel 
a little bit of sadness because I know who our God is and I know if we'll trust in him and if we'll follow him and if we'll live for him the good things that he has. And so, friends, I, I, I hope you'll receive the things that God has for you today. 1 Peter 5, 6-7 says this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. It's simple and it's powerful. And I want us to, to chew through that today. But before we do that, I want to put on a backpack. As we enter a new year, and as we leave the old year behind, there are things that just we instinctively and even thoughtlessly, we're going to carry into the new year. Just because we're busy, right? Just because we're creatures of habit, right? Just because if it's painful, we don't, we're not quick to embrace it, right? So what do we do? We just throw it on. And we just keep plowing along. We just continue without thought to what it is that we've carried from last year to this year. From last season to this season. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that in His timing, so that when He wills it so that when it is beneficial for your good, for his glory, he may exalt you. Friends, I want to encourage us with this right now. When we humble ourselves, the result is always God wanting to exalt us. When we humble ourselves under his mighty hand, in faith and response to him, the result is he always wants to elevate us. He always wants to exalt us. He always wants to pull us up. He always wants to recognize us. And he asks something of us. Casting all your anxieties on him. Which part's, which part's harder for us? The humbling of ourselves under his mighty hand or the casting of all anxieties onto him? Which, which, which is harder? I mean, the humbling part, it requires this intentional stopping of what we're doing. And it's not humbling, it's not groveling, right, right? right? It's not like groveling. It's a recognition that we're under his hand and so we, we empty ourselves and make ourselves lower because we know he's got something he wants to do, he wants to give, but it can't, it can't be given in a state of pride and self-reliance and self-strength 
what God has to give, it can only be received with us in this place of humility and trust and a recognition of his bigness. Casting all your anxieties on him because he what? Because he cares about you. Because he cares about you. He cares about you. Our God is good. So you may be asking, so is this like a formula that we're to follow? Yes. Yes. Yes, it is. I mean, our God's not a formulaic, formulaic God, but sometimes he's a formulaic God. Sometimes he is. And when we look at this, yeah, this is, this is a formula that if we follow in faith, not out of religious obligation, that's key, We follow with affection and faith. We're going to see results. James, James 4, 6, and 7 gives us another formula. It says, submit therefore to the Lord. And before that, it talks about how much God loves humility and how much he resists the proud. And then it says, submit yourselves therefore or humble yourselves therefore to the Lord. Then resist the enemy. And then what? Enemy's got to go. Enemy's got to go. But it starts with a recognition that he is God and we submit ourselves to his bigness and we humble ourselves, then we resist the enemy. Because if we get that order wrong, then it looks something like this. It's like, I'm going to stand firm and, and Satan, you got to go because I'm big and mighty and strong and defiant. Now, anytime we got the word I in there that many times, that's a formula too. And it doesn't work when it's he and him and you. And we, we lug these things from one place to the next without stopping to think what it is we're carrying. And we forget, we get so used to carrying things that we forget how heavy they are. Right now I'm doing um, physical therapy for my left knee. I heard it when I was playing college football, and then just over the years, um, you stop doing things like stretching. And so my body is apparently incredibly tight, like my hip flexor and the IO something that goes from here and underneath and up to here. I don't know. But apparently, IT band. Thank you. Thank you, Kim, the IT band. My hammies are as tight as can be. My quads are, I, I just, so I've been stretching like like twice a week when I go to physical therapy. It's somewhat painful. I'll get a bike. I have a bike. I just need to ride that bike. Bicycle man. Um, because, you know, we, I just stopped doing things. And so now my knee hurts because other muscles are tight. And I just started living with the pain, right? And then all of a sudden I start, you know, get out of the car and I limp a little. And Kara's like, what? Why are you limping? Oh, my knee hurts. Why does your knee hurt? I don't know. I say all that to say we, we just start living with pain and we just don't do anything about it. We just start living with that emotional and mental pain and, and it becomes just commonplace and it's, we just live with it. 
and we carry it from one place to the next. But if we truly believe, and please hear me, if we truly believe that God has new things for us, then we have to trust him with the old things and we've got to put those old things in their proper place. And some of those things, they need to be thrown away. They need to be thrown away. That passage I read, casting all your anxieties on him, casting is, is translated as this, throwing upon and placing upon. Both. Throwing upon and placing upon, and those are different things. See, if I were to throw this to Craig, that would be one action. And if I was to place this upon Craig, that, that's another action. There are things that we are to throw away to him. Because he says, give them to me, cast your anxieties upon me, cast your cares on me. And then there's things that we are to place in him. Because see, not everything's garbage. Not everything's trash. There's also precious things we carry around that aren't trash, and they don't, they're not deserving of being thrown in the trash heap. They're, they're precious, but there's some things it's time to let go. There's things to say, Lord, I give this to you and I trust this to you because I'm torn. I'm torn about it and I don't want to be torn. That word anxiety, that's what that means. It means cares and it's from the root word to be drawn in different directions. To be pulled, to be pulled in different directions. Oh, I'm conflicted. Lord, I, I want to do this, but I also want to do this. And Lord, I want to I do this, but I'm also a pretty selfish sucker. And, and Lord, I want to do this, but Lord, also, I'm pretty proud. And, and that would be a lot of work to do it your way. And we feel conflicted, somewhat. That's why the humble part there. It's pretty key. I don't even know what's in here. Would you guys excuse me for a second? I just want to... Oh, man. I didn't even know this was in there. This unforgiveness. I, I thought I'd forgiven that person. But every time I think about them... I feel torn. Every time I think about him, I, I, it, it changes my mood. I don't even know how long I've been carrying around that for. Lord, I think this is one. This isn't precious to me, Lord. This is garbage. I... Lord, I cast that to you. Now I'm afraid to even look what's in there. I don't even know how pride got back in there. How did pride get back in there? Because I've repented of pride so many times. And I've, I've bowed my will to his will so many times. I don't even know how it got back in there. I don't. But I'm not going to carry it into this new season. I just feel by your Holy Spirit that that's, yeah. So Lord, I, I take this pride. 
and it doesn't benefit me, and I throw it away. And we examine. We examine our lives, which, if we're being honest, even I'm standing up here, and, and I'm like, this is somewhat daunting, but yet it's also somewhat liberating. Will we trust him with the daunting task of self-examination? Will we trust him? It's daunting. I know it's daunting. Will we trust him with that, that task of self-examination? And when we look in here and we see self-loathing, and when we see self-hatred, I'm telling you right now, this isn't supposed to come with you into the next season. It's not supposed to come with you into the next things that God has for you. And if you've got self-loathing and self-hatred, it's got to go. But you're the one to cast it upon him after humbling yourselves under his mighty hand, remembering and recognizing that he cares for you and that he wants to exalt you in the most amazing timing that's just going to blow your mind. We all, we all can look inside and say, what are the things that I just carry from one place to the next that he's asking me to throw away? Unforgiveness, pride, self-hatred, loathing, lies, shame. Shame? Shame is such crap. The enemy wants you to beat yourself up over things of the past when the Lord's like, my boy, my girl, I've set you free. You're redeemed. You're re Just hear your father saying, you're redeemed by the blood of the lamb, by the work of my son. Don't you believe? Don't you trust me? And if you do, then throw shame away. Throw beating yourself up away and throw self-reliance away. Don't take it into this new season. But see, not everything is supposed to go be thrown away. Some things are supposed to be placed with him. It's because some things are precious. There's there's some things that we've we've grieved long enough and we've hurt long enough and and he's saying, yeah, I just, give me the grief. And God's saying, I'm going to take care of it. And he's so trustworthy. This, this container is totally different than this container. And God says, hey, I'll take it. I'll care for it. I will wrap it up. And it'll be precious to me because it's been precious to you. I just, you just you got to leave it for this season. And once we place the precious things, I'll give you an example. I, like I, I played college football, but when I played college football, I couldn't serve God because playing football was all about me. It was about validating myself and my self-worth and proving I'm a man and proving I'm strong and proving I have value. And so I had to walk away from football. But when I talked to my father about football, he's like, oh, I'm so proud of you. You were good at that. I liked watching you out there on the field, and you looked good in those uniforms. And he just, 
he has a different take on it than I do. He, he sees it a different way. And, and then he's like, thank you for giving it to me, though. It's precious. Thank you. That, yeah, that didn't need to go in the trash. I, I took that, and it's in a special place on my shelf. There's some things we throw away, and there's some things we place in the caring and protective arms of our God. There's a difference, right? There's a difference. There's times I don't realize I'm torn until I realize I'm torn. There's times I don't feel that I've been pulled in different directions and so I'm like, ooh, oh, I'm feeling a bit conflicted. And so you guys, this isn't one of those messages that that we do nothing with. This is one of those messages that we respond in humility. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 through 18 says this. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died to everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we've stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Um, worship team, if you can kind of be ready, we're going to go back into worship and we're going to do a couple things. Over at these tables, we have communion available. That table there, that table there. We also have index cards available and we have pens. And we're going to worship the Lord in communion. There's a point when Jesus was talking to his disciples about communion and he said, you know, I've, I've wanted to celebrate this Passover with you before. Passover. The Jews celebrated Passover. They celebrated their freedom from bondage. They celebrated their freedom from slavery. And now we, at the Lord's table, we celebrate our freedom from bondage and slavery through the completed work of Jesus Christ, right? In Passover, the, the, the Jews, they, they removed all leaven from their house and they made an unleavened bread. Because leaven represented sin. And so they removed all sin. But when we worship at his table, we celebrate that he, Jesus, our perfect sacrificial lamb, removed all of our sin. They, they took blood and they put it on their posts to, to, as a protective means of we want everyone in this house to be protected And we celebrate the fact that he is our covering. By the shedding of his blood, we are forgiven and redeemed and we have life. 
So we're going to, this first Sunday of the year, we're going to make communion available. And I could have I could have done this in other ways that made it easier for you. I'm just being honest. I really could have. I could have put the communion in the back because it's hard for people to come up front. But I, I don't think it's any harder than that intentional act of unpacking that backpack that we've been carrying around and bringing some things to the Lord. And that's the second thing I'm going to ask of you today. If there's things that you are certain that you need to cast, throwing and placing, either, both, whatever, but if there's some things that you've got to cast to the Lord, then do so. And you can write it down. Some of, Kara is one of those that needs it written down. Like, I mean, it's just real to her then. Like, if she writes it down and she comes up here and she throws it away, it's, it, for her, it's more tangible. And so that might be you. And so that's why we have that available. But you don't have to do that because for others, just coming and placing your hand right here and just saying, I just, I let it go. For others, that's just as tangible, just as real. I mean, for some of you, you might have to sit here and and wrap the bubble wrap around you, and that's okay. Just to remind yourselves that he's good. But I'm just telling you right now, guys, there's a response. The Lord is asking for a response because he has new, awesome, beautiful things for you. And some, some of the things he's asking you to throw... You're going to feel such a relief when you throw it away. And some of it's noisy and loud and yucky. And I mean, I thought about cleaning. I thought about wiping the trash can. I'm like, no, this represents the yuck. Will you trust him? Let's see. I'm going to start here and I'm just going to make eye contact with everyone. Don't look back there. (laughs) Felix gets a pass, but he's so dang cute. Felix, you're so cute. Will you trust him with all? Will you, if the Holy Spirit hasn't already, and worship team, y'all can come on up. If, if, If the Holy Spirit hasn't already been quickening some of these things to you, will you take a moment just to do a little self-examination and to look in that that backpack or suitcase or whatever it is you've been carrying around, and then will you have the courage to humble yourself before him and cast your cares upon him? And I guess it's that humbling part. I, I know it's... I think it probably requires a bit of humbling to come forward and taking communion to come forward and doing these things. I understand that, but we're told in Scripture to humble ourselves under his mighty hand, and God is here. He is here. We are in his presence. 
I don't know the new things he has for you yet and maybe you don't either and maybe you won't until you trust him with the old. As you take the cup over there, there's the wafer on one side, there's the juice on the other representing the the body and the blood. I say this, this is the body of Jesus given for you so that you can be whole. Your sin wiped away, paid for by the completed work of Jesus Christ. And in that cup, this is the blood of Jesus shed for you that annihilated the work of sin and shame and removed the veil of anything that stands between us and our Heavenly Father. So as you receive that bread, as you receive that blood, as you receive those elements, do so in worship and gratitude. It's a beautiful place to start this little moment of humility. Lord, we trust you. As we worship at your leisure, would you just come up and and worship him in these ways and trust him in those ways?